And that what it really means is a supernatural cosmic being. But we've used the word word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with it. It just doesn't do it justice. And what John tried to do was, was say to you, this, this eternal being, this supernatural cosmic being that flung the stars into space, that gives you the very breath of life, he became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And, and we've seen him. And we've seen that he's full of grace and truth. It's just an amazing story that we're trying to... Oh, we finally got some action. Thanks, mate. Beautiful. Just as well I can think fast on my feet, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, that really is the wonder of the Christmas story, that, that somehow the people in Scripture were trying to describe what was going to happen when the second person of the Trinity was going to come. And it was sort of almost an impossible task to capture in words that God could become human flesh. It's almost an impossible task to do it. And I reckon some of these guys have done very well to even try and get their heads around it in some way, shape and form. Isaiah said, For a child is going to be born to us. To us a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. That was how Isaiah tried to capture some of the characteristics of who Jesus was. Paul wrote it like this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amazing, isn't it? Just try, trying to capture that. The second person of the Trinity who for eternity past ruled and reigned over everything, stepped into humanity and took on the form of a little, little baby. Can you imagine what it was like for Joseph and Mary to hold that baby and know who that baby really was? The wise men knew who he was. That was impossible and that was glorious that they would come. doesn't matter what way you look at the Christmas story, it is the glorious impossible. But I think we do the Christmas story a great injustice. In its own right, it has wonder and awe. But the Christmas story is not complete unless you look at Easter. And Easter's not complete unless you look at Pentecost. Because we, we can sit here today and we go, oh, Wow, Jesus became flesh. Isn't that amazing? Like God became contained in a human body. But Jesus did that as a precedent for the third person of the Trinity to indwell our bodies. Same principle, same wonder, same awe. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
I will sprinkle clean water on you and, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep all my laws. And then Paul talked about it like this. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I find Christmas really difficult because it's hard to capture in words. But the thing that I love about it is that it's just not about words. Jesus did come 2,000 years ago, did take on the form of humanity, did die on a cross so that he could die and represent humanity and represent God at the same time. But that's not the end of the story. He rose again, ascended into heaven, and sent his spirit to indwell you and me. That same glorious impossible that happened in the little stable in Bethlehem should have happened in your life and mine. We received Jesus into our very beings. We want to stand in wonder and awe of Christmas? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But stand in awe and wonder that that same God indwells your human flesh, that spiritually you were dead, but because of Christ, we are now alive. That's the glorious impossible. The glorious impossible is that I can just not look back through the annals of history and say, yeah, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. I can say, he came into my life. He indwelt my flesh. In 1996, I remember the moment and I remember the day. That was my glorious impossible. And because of that, everything in my life is glorious. And everything in my life is impossible. I know that in that moment in 1996, my life took a U-turn, an incredible U-turn. And I've seen the gloriousness of God and I've seen the impossible of God turn up in so many different ways in so many different people's lives that you can't get away from this. It has to consume you. It has to be everything because it is everything. It's the highest pursuit that we could ever have is to know that the spirit of the living God dwells in us and therefore everything is an opportunity for something glorious to happen and for something impossible to happen. So we can never re forget that Christmas is linked to Easter and Easter is linked to Pentecost and when we bring those three together then we get the full picture. This is what Peter wrote. He wrote, His divine power, Jesus' divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you and I may participate in the divine nature. That's the glorious impossible, <laughs> that you and I are bearers of the spirit of the living God. That is impossible. For God to indwell me is an impossibility, but in God's economy it's not. And it's glorious. We have so much to celebrate at Christmas time. God was so good to send his son. Jesus was so humble to come. And yet Jesus was so generous to give us his spirit.
It really is the best story ever. What am I going to say that's going to add to that? (laughs) There isn't anything. He is the glorious impossible, but the glorious impossible dwells in us. Therefore, our whole lives should be viewed through that panorama of everything that I do has God's touch on it, or can have. Everything that I'm about can be glorious, have glorious outcomes, but it can have glorious impossibilities about it all the way through. That's why I'm so passionate about the church. That's why I'm so passionate about you and I really living the kingdom lifestyle. Because when we really get our heads around what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, it's not about history in the past. It's about history in the present. The present glorious power of God in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, it seems such an irony or or a contradiction that we're so busy at this time of year when really you just want us to be still and know that you are God. It almost seems like it's the enemy's ploy, it's the, it's the demonic realm's ploy to have people so wound up and so busy that they just don't have time. I think of that little line in Scripture that says that there was no room in the inn. And I wonder, Lord, sometimes whether there's room in our hearts. At this time of year, we just get so overwhelmed with everything that we have to do that we just forget the glorious impossibility of who you are and what you've done. Father, it's so good today just to stop. Stop in the midst of the chaos and the turmoil and all the appointments and the lunches and things that we need to do just to reflect and remember that you are the glorious impossible. Lord, this morning we're just going to come and we're going to come around the communion table and we're just quietly going to Just reflect on who you are in our own way and just to say thank you. Just to say thank you for 2013 and all that you've done in our lives. Just to say thank you for what you did in Bethlehem all those years ago. Just to say thank you what you did on Calvary. Just to say thank you for sending your spirit into our lives so that we can be born again. And know what it means to live and move and have our very being inspired by the Spirit of the living God. Father, it is glorious. No matter what way we look at Christmas, it just comes out with the word glorious. Glorious what you did for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Glorious what you did with Joseph. Glorious what you did with Mary. Glorious what you did with the shepherds in the field. Glorious what you did with the three wise men. Glorious how the angels appeared. But Lord, it was so impossible too for an old woman to conceive, for a young lady to conceive without even having sex. Lord, the whole story is just filled with glorious impossibilities and yet the greatest one in that mix is you, that you clothed yourself with humanity so that we could be clothed with the Spirit of the Most High God. Lord, we just want to stop and worship you this morning and praise you, and honour you, and lift you up, and exalt you. And Lord, like that glorious, impossible 
Carol says, Oh, come, let us adore him. Because you are worthy of our adoration. You truly are, Lord Jesus, glorious, and we praise you today for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just come and grab some communion this morning and just sit quietly, and I'll get Brad to play that song again, probably without the video this time. <laughs> Spare him. Just come and grab some communion. Just have five minutes just with the Lord, just quietly in your own way.